In today's video, I'm gonna keep the preamble basically non-existent. Today, I wanna to talk about what I believe to be the most useless human emotion and what you can do to change it. I think any retroactive jealousy sufferer in particular is going to wanna to see today's video. My name is Zachary Stockhill, and since 2013, I've been working one-on-one -on -one with men and women from all over the world, helping them overcome jealousy and possessiveness in their relationships helping them overcome retroactive jealousy. If you'd like to work with me one-on-one -on -one, or you'd like to learn more about my work, please visit my website at retroactivejealousy.com. I believe the number one most useless human emotion is self-pity. Because self-pity leads to inaction, it's repulsive to other people, and no matter what challenge you're facing in your life, I believe self-pity is always the wrong choice. By the way, needless to say, I mean, I probably don't even have to say it, but of course I've had moments in my own life when I was inclined towards self-pity. It's a pretty universal human emotion from time to time. We're all drawn towards self-pity during certain challenging moments of our lives. I'm certainly not above that in any way, but I wanted to record this video today and talk about this subject in particular because I see traces of self-pity among many members of my audience. I read between the lines of a lot of very lengthy YouTube comments and emails I receive. I know that a lot of people watching this video right now, for example, are doing themselves and the people around them a disservice by indulging in self-pity, perhaps to a dangerous, counterproductive extent. If you wanna move past a challenge like retroactive jealousy, i.e. unwanted intrusive thoughts, obsessive curiosity, and mental movies about your partner's past, if you wanna move past a challenge like retroactive jealousy or any other challenge in your life, indulging in self-pity is not going to help you out. In fact, it's gonna make overcoming that challenge much, much harder because as I mentioned uh, just a moment ago, self-pity leads to inaction. Self-pity will drown you if you let it take over your life. Another reason self-pity is what I believe to be the most useless human emotion is because it acts as an excuse for inaction and hopelessness. If you're indulging in self-pity, if you're wallowing in pain or you just think nothing can ever change and you're kind of giving yourself permission to not take any action, to not change anything, you can waste weeks, months, or even years of your life using that as an excuse. You know, someone asks you, why don't you try something new? Why don't you take action? Why don't you take a walk outside? Why don't you do something to get out of this funk? You tell yourself, I don't feel like it. Once I feel like it, then I'll take action. Once I feel like it, then I'll do something different. Without realizing that when you start taking action in some way, obviously this is going to be different depending on what challenge you're facing. But once you take action, that will actually make you start feeling better. That'll actually make you start feeling differently rather than the other way around necessarily. I also wanted to mention that self-pity is repulsive to other people, at least to people who aren't inclined towards self-pity. What do I mean by that? You've probably heard the expression, misery loves company. Self-pity also loves company. If there's one particular friend in a friend group who's particularly inclined towards self-pity, you can bet your bottom dollar that the majority of the other friends in that friend group are similarly inclined towards self-pity. People who try to fight their own self-pitying instincts generally are drawn to other people trying to fight their self-pitying instincts. And in general, I would say you wanna be around people who fight this inclination towards self-pity in themselves, regardless of any challenges they're facing in their life. And you will be repulsive to other people, truly, if you're inclined towards self-pity and you wanna bring in people in your life who are more proactive, who are more positive, who are more upbeat. 
people who are that way don't want to be around other people who are inclined towards self-pity and who let self-pity take over their lives. If you want to start moving past self-pity, if you've identified a certain inclination towards self-pity in yourself, I wanted to mention a few exercises. And the number one exercise or recommendation I would have for you is try to get clear on exactly what function self-pity is serving in your life. Ask yourself what you're getting out of this inaction or you know, self-imposed misery or woe is me, however you want to call it, what I call self-pity. Ask yourself what you're getting out of this behavior. Because if there's any behavior in your life that you're trying to change and you're feeling stuck, a good starting point is always to ask yourself, what is the benefit that I'm getting out of this behavior? If there was zero benefit associated with this behavior, you wouldn't be engaging in it because human beings are motivated by incentives, emotional incentives, financial incentives. We're drawn by incentives. So you're getting some kind of incentive or benefit as a result of your self-pity. And the more clear you can get on exactly what you're getting out of that self-pity, the more likely it is you're actually going to be able to change it moving forward. Some ideas slash guesses slash examples. In my own life, if I really am honest with myself, during moments when I've been kind of overwhelmed by self-pity and I've kind of let myself go down that road, I think the biggest benefit I've got out of it is, again, it serves as an excuse for inaction. I don't feel like taking a walk. I don't feel like changing my diet. I don't feel like getting out of bed. I don't feel like recording this video. You know, I'm not in the mood. I'm not in the mood. It, it acts as an excuse to kind of stay where you are. Nothing's going to change. Keeps you safe in your little self-imposed shell of victimhood. And it's almost comforting in a sense to identify as a victim, to be inclined towards self-pity. And I've noticed that quality in myself, especially in my younger years, during certain challenging periods. So for me, that's the benefit that I got out of self-pity. You can ask yourself the same question and be brutally honest with yourself when you respond. The other two antidotes to self-pity, the way out of a victim mentality is twofold. Number one, always be taking action, always. This isn't some empty platitude. Even if you're not exactly sure what the right action you should take, try something, create some kind of positive forward momentum, even if it's small, and this will lead to more positive momentum, this will lead to more good things happening. But it all depends on taking that first step. So always be taking action, always bring the focus back to what is within your sphere of influence, your sphere of control, focus on that, and take active steps based on that. And the second antidote to self-pity or a victim mentality, whatever you wanna call it, is practicing gratitude. Every single person watching this video has something to be grateful for. They, in all likelihood, have many things to be grateful for. If you are alive in the 21st century with the means and the technology at your disposal to be watching a video like this, you have many things to be grateful for. If you want a very simple gratitude practice, I would strongly encourage you to just start every morning writing down three things you're grateful for, big or small. I mean, I've done this for years, off and on. I should get back into it because it's a great practice, but I remember I used to start off my day, I'm a coffee snob. I love making a good cup of coffee with my fancy AeroPress and my good beans, and I would really anticipate it and be grateful for that cup of coffee. So I'd write that down. I'm gonna have an excellent cup of coffee soon. How many people in the world can actually have that? More than you think. Or I'm gonna have a conversation with my grandfather tonight, and he's still alive at the age of you know 91. How amazing is that? I have air conditioning. A lot of people can't afford air conditioning. You see what I mean? It can be big or small. But the point is to start your day with some kind of recognition of all the gifts you have in your life, again, whether they're big or small. You can also work on practicing gratitude in bigger ways as they relate to the various challenges in your life. For example, if you are struggling with, for example, retroactive jealousy, 
which is, you know, unwanted intrusive thoughts about your partner's past relationships slash sexual history. You probably know what I'm talking about by that term. If you're struggling with retroactive jealousy, guess what? You have someone you care about in your life. And I guarantee you, because I received their emails, I guarantee you there are thousands and thousands, millions of people around the world who would kill to have someone special in their life, and they don't. So that's an example of being grateful for something, even though there's a certain challenge associated with that thing that you're being grateful for. An example of this from my own life, which is still a little painful to relate to you, but I'll tell you, is when my mother died about, oh God, five, six years now, almost six years ago, I had an inclination towards self-pity, and I felt like a real victim, and I thought about all these other people, like why is their mother still alive? Why are their parents still alive and mine's not? And, you know, I was going down that kind of victim rabbit hole. And things really started to change for me when I started practicing gratitude, that I had a wonderful mother in my life for 20-something years. I started realizing that many people in the world never had that. You know, they never had a good maternal figure. They never had a good parent in their life. Sometimes for their entire lives, they never had that experience. I did for 20-something years. What a lucky guy I am. This is just an example. I'm just trying to suggest these things to get you thinking about your own examples. But I really believe that's kind of the two-part path towards overcoming self-pity, overcoming a victim mentality. Always be taking action, always focusing on what's within your sphere of influence and taking action based on that. And number two, always be practicing gratitude. Thanks for listening to the Zachary Stockhill podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice. To learn more about my work on jealousy, relationships, and more, please check out my YouTube channel at Zachary Stockhill. For information about my online courses, books, and coaching service, please visit my website at retroactivejealousy.com.